You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today, I talk to Washington long snapper Nick Sunberg. He has a newborn baby, which we discuss, but also how he managed to play through a torn right triceps. Hint, he broke one of his own rules to do so. His thoughts on Alex Smith. If you listen to Nick, you'll understand why having Smith around extended way beyond the stats, as I, as I have often said. Um, and Nick and I discussed spring workouts, why we probably will have another virtual spring. Nick was great, as always. Entertaining, too. You can follow him on Twitter at Nick Sunberg. And don't forget, you can also support his Loads of Love program, which has helped countless schools and people in the area. You can read my work on ESPN.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at John Kine ESPN. I have a story on ESPN.com right now. It's a timeline of Alex Smith's last few years. The journey that he's gone on, sometimes it's just a good reminder of what the guy went through, kind of you know, culminating in his release the other day. If you like the show, please do me a favor, go give it a rating, I guess, on Apple or wherever you can rate it. Um, if you have some feedback you want to give me, I'm available on Twitter, on social media, on Instagram, as I just said. Hit me up there on Twitter. It's at John underscore Kime. You know, if, you, if there's something you want to see more of, let me know. Happy to, happy to, happy to take anything into consideration. One thing to keep in mind this week as we move forward, Tuesday is the deadline to apply the franchise tag on a player. That means if Washington doesn't get a deal worked out with Brendan Sheriff, that the tag remains an, a strong option. I was told the other day that there is hope when it comes to a long-term deal. But yes, the tag is absolutely in play if nothing happens, even if it's going to be around $18 million for one year. They want to keep Sheriff, but as I told you before, his side has turned down past offers I don't know the structure of those deals, so I don't want to comment if it was a good decision or not, or a good offer or not. I've heard at various times in the past that they were close. Yet, here we are, still no deal as of this taping. All I know is there is still hope for a long-term deal. Meanwhile, with the investigation, I know the junkies created a stir the other day by releasing info from what they said was one page of the Beth Wilkinson report. On there, it included recommended punishment by Wilkinson, or at least by the findings. Part of the punishment we talked about um, possible sell, forcing him to sell the team or if nothing else, a suspension and a fine. Here's what I know. The league called it false, that they don't have the report. I asked the league, when you say it's false, are you saying that the entire information is false or just that you don't have the report? The response, quote, everything is false. We haven't received the report yet. End of quote. Now, of course, if they haven't seen the report or received the report, then I think it may be hard to know all that's in there, but I don't know. Now, let me make it clear. I'm not knocking the junkies report. I'm not saying anything one way or another. I'm just telling you as a reporter what I know. As a reporter, that's all I can do. And in a case like this, if you can't verify it, you really shouldn't be saying a whole lot. But that's just my philosophy. Also, I talked to some other sources who said the attorneys aren't supposed to recommend punishment. They provide the report and the commissioner decides the punishment. Now, in this case, in, the, in Washington's case, I don't know what the arrangement is. I don't know what they were tasked to do. Maybe they did say that. I've tried to find that out. Maybe they did say, give us your recommended punishment. I don't know. I'm just telling you that what, what some people have told me, and then I'm going to give you some examples of some other um, situ investigations. I saw the Ray Rice report a few years ago or from a few years ago, there were recommendations, but not about punishment. It was about how the NFL could better handle it from their end. He had already been suspended indefinitely by the league. I know when Mary Jo White investigated Carolina, she did not recommend punishment. But by the time she was finished with the report, the Panthers had already been sold. All of her recommendations focused on improving workplace culture, preventing these situations from arising again. 
like I said, I say all this because even if the report that the junkies said they, they had, even if it includes recommendations, it's almost assuredly irrelevant. It's Roger Goodell who decides the punishment, not attorneys investigating the situation. That has been my knowledge. If that changes, I'll let you know, because I have asked, reached out to a few other people to, to see that. Um, and that, again, I don't know what Beth Wilkinson was, if, if Goodell said, give me the investigation and what you would recommend. I don't know that he said that. I don't know that he didn't say that. Um, but anyways, this is what I know from past situations and from some people I've talked to. But in other words, stay tuned. I know when I had John Clayton on, on the podcast last week, he echoed what I have heard from others. Nothing that has publicly been divulged yet had risen to the level of forcing Dan Snyder out. Other owners could be reluctant unless something directly implicates him. Otherwise, I think I don't know that they would do it because I think they might fear that if, if you're going to get them out for this, what could happen if the tables get turned on them at some point? I don't know. Not saying everybody's doing this. I don't know. But I know that this team is not, this franchise is certainly not the only one. I don't know if the report will be made public. I think it would be good if it is for everybody and for the trusted league, for the trusted organization. I just think it'd probably be a good move. And what I also know is that Dan Snyder's cooperated with the investigation, spent a long time with them um, in the fall. I'm, I think it was over on one day in, in November or something like that. Um, but that's what I know. And what I know is we continue to wait. And it certainly seems like this investigation investigation could, the results of it could be, could come out at any time. Anyway, that's what I know. Let's get back to the fun topics. I'll be back after this break with Nick Sunberg. I can honestly say this will be the first conversation we've had on here about dodging an infant's urine and the term baby farts come up. That's a new one as well. Plus, what made him tear up during a game this season? What's up? It's Mike Jones from the Football Jones Podcast. I know you're enjoying your time with the John Kime Report, but once you're done, I want to invite you to come over and check out my podcast. Each week, we take a deep dive into some of the most pressing topics around the NFL. High-profile guests from the coach, player, and front office ranks, as well as the top league insiders. Check out the Football Jones Podcast, another fine product brought to you by Empire Media. Welcome back. Now, here's my conversation with Nick Sunberg. Nick, a busy, kind of a busy offseason for you with the baby, your arm, all this other stuff going on. You're a free agent. Let's start with the, um, let's start with the good stuff. The baby. How, how is Nico? How old is Nico now? Uh, he's about a month. Um, he's doing well. He's, we had about a 10 day stretch where, Oh, he was waking up throughout the night about every hour, but sleeping for like three hours at a time during the day. So we're, we've been working on trying to flip those, <laughs> flip those, those uh, schedules. Um, I mean, you know, as a parent, it's tough with newborns. Um, but the last two nights, we got a solid four hours in a row, which was wow, really, really good, <laughs> just for for uh, my and my wife's psyche. Um, but yeah, everything's going really well. He's um, honestly, he's a super chill baby. Um, so that's, that's helped a ton. You know, it's funny. Cause when we had our kid, like what I also noticed that just when they start sleeping through the night, they start teething. So just be aware that you're going to think like he's sleeping through the night. Oh, we're out of the woods. And then he's going to start. teething. Start, and it, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So like, what's been, what are some of the things that the fun parts for him with having a baby so far that, maybe you didn't expect or, you know, or whatever, what's it been like? I mean, well, I get to do all the fun stuff just cause I'm kind of, uh, incapacitated, yes. I guess, with the, the brace on my elbow. Um, so, uh, you know, changing diapers is a little bit tough, but I'm able to finagle. Um, but, uh, you know, I get to do the, you know, let's just lay and hang out and, uh, or, I mean, he sleeps so dang much right now that I'm, I'm just kind of here to help. Um, at this point, just kind of running, uh, running support uh, for my wife. But um, you know, we go on walks when it's not 30 outside. <laughs> um, so we've had a couple of warm days here, which has been nice. Uh, he still hates the breeze because it's so windy out here in Leesburg. But um, you know, just watching him 
I mean, even just in the last month, go from like, you know, not really knowing what's going on to starting to follow you with his eyes to realizing or to starting to kind of smile a little bit here and there. And um, then like just little random stuff that you notice, like holding like holding on to the pacifier. Oh, yeah. Um, He did that for the first time yesterday. Um, I mean, those little milestones are just fun to track. Has Tress called up and asked him any sort of trivia questions yet? Or did he give you a trivia questions like on the five? Give me the 10 most popular Nikos in world history. No, he hasn't. The only thing Tress Tress and I were texting yesterday, and the first question he asked yesterday was how many times I've been peed on. So Okay, uh, I was going to ask you that. Yeah. Um, So it's happened a couple times, but not – Nothing too drastic at this point. I've been uh, I've been pretty shifty and you know making sure I'm able to dodge and all that sort of stuff. But uh, it, it's it's definitely been super fun. Well, that's the thing. Like my wife and I called it. It was the our kids' fountain of youth. Yeah. And like we did, we weren't prepared for that first fountain of youth. So you kind of had to jump back and like and it's, it did it. It definitely scared me the first time. I was not. I mean, all of you viewers out there with boys. I mean, the first time it went straight up and landed on his, on him. And I was like, oh, no, you know, like he's being on himself. I, uh, like, I, which I felt so bad for him. All right. Now it's bath time. <laughs> you know, and he, yeah. he hates baths. So uh, he's got that going for him. But uh, it, it's definitely been a learning experience. You know, I mean, we're kind of late to the game. I'm 33. My wife's 35. And, you know, we've been trying for a long time. So we're just so happy to be where we are. And, and, just so just kind of overwhelmed, not overwhelmed physically, but just right. overwhelmed emotionally with with being where we are at this point and just so so excited for 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 him and us together and, and growing our family. And it is. It's like when you when you've had to when you've had to try for a while and all that, it is emotional. And it is like because you do greatly appreciate. I mean, and you should appreciate it anyways, but I do think there's a different level. I'm sure in that situation, I know for us, it was like that too. So um, that's cool. You also, did you get baby farts trending the other day by any chance? <laughs> I don't know if I got it trending, but I definitely got a lot of, a lot of responses. Cause I think baby, I think farts are funny in general, <laughs> but I just, I just I mean, asked when you stop giggling, like a, like a school, like a little girl when, when your baby farts and the, the, 99% of the response was never. <laughs> you don't. Yeah. I don't know. Like well, that's, that's kind of like, well, you don't. And, and it, <laughs> I'm not sure they ever, I don't think it ever becomes less funny. Even as you get, like you think you get older and you should be more mature and you really aren't, you know, you're laughing oh, at the same stuff. Not, right? So, you know, there's, and especially like I grew up with three other guys and three brothers. I mean, like yeah. enough said, but it's like, you know, yeah. So, but yeah, the baby parts are always gonna be at, you know, it's funny, too, because, like, I just remember in those days, like, first of all, like, how little sleep you got. And um, just some there's a, all that stress that comes with it, too, because my wife's trying to feed them and this and that. And um, it was just it was it was fun, but it was interesting. And I also felt like when they get to six months, that's when they really start to take off. You see so much personality start to come out. And that's that's where it's kind of fun. It's, it gets to me. It gets a lot more fun at six months. Well, so, I think. I mean, something that like, you know, it's the off season. So I've got time to be up in the middle of the night a bunch of times. Not a big deal. You know, I I have the respect level for, you know, when I was younger, watching guys who had kids in season complaining about, you know, coming to work and playing like, man, I was up so many times last night with baby, uh, you know, all that stuff. I'm like, man, I don't get it. Like, it, it shouldn't be that big a deal. You know, just whatever. You know, you're getting a little bit less sleep than usual. Well, I'm older and I understand how important sleep is these days. And like, I could not imagine trying to go through this, this process in season. Like, you know, especially, you know, during COVID, like neither of our parents could fly out here. Um, oh, yeah. You know, we're doing this on our own and which is, it's fine, but I couldn't imagine it being, you know, week four and I'm, I'm prepping for a game, trying to get my mind right and, and doing all this studying and all this stuff. And then trying to get my solid eight to nine hours a night. But at the same time, getting up every couple hours to help, help my wife with, you know, feedings and all that stuff and making sure everything's okay, changing diapers and stuff. And, you know, my respect level for guys who have kids in season just skyrocketed because I, I think there should be a study done on guys and, on, and how they do it. Like it's, it's oh, unbelievable. I know. I mean, well, just you played with Kirk cousins, you know, how, how um, strict he is with his sleep habits. Yes. 
I don't know, like you can't have a strict sleep ha- patterns when you're a pro- for, for a kid. And if you're a pro athlete and it's not as simple as saying, well, just let the wife do it. It's, you know, you're in season. You want to be a good father too. And a good husband, it starts there, but right. you know, you can't just ignore that side to go over here. You know, it's, a, it's, 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 it's a tough juggling act. I don't yeah, Absolutely. And I, you know, I think the majority of guys want to help. Right. So like I feel bad when I when I wake up and see her feeding him. I'm like, man, I didn't even hear him crying. <laughs> you know, she's like, don't worry, I'm crying. I woke yeah. him up, you know, whatever. But um, it's just one of those things where you you know, I, for the guys that have kids in season, like, and I know it's totally random when you're when, you know when when you get pregnant and all that stuff. But um, man, my 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 respect level just through the roof these days. So how let's go to your arm. How is your arm? It's, it was it was your elbow or was it a, what? what? Uh, technically it's a tricep, Okay, okay. but it's, um, so like where your tricep tendon attaches to the elbow is right. Okay. Um, so that's why I'm in a stupid elbow brace. Um, it's doing well. I'm two days into week seven out of hopefully only 20. They said five months, but I'm assuming that means five months in weeks terms. So I'm kind of, you know, 20 weeks is what, you know, the, the process should be. Um, until I'm told otherwise, <laughs> um, go ahead. How do you, how did you snap with all that this year? Like how bad was it for you? I mean, it sucked, but it's funny. The older you get in this league, the more you learn how to deal with like, you know, 2018, I was dealing with, I mean, really since, uh, since for a very long time, I've been, I've been dealing with back issues, right? Um, and in 2018 is when it really, really got bad. Um, I was having some severe nerve issues, you know, the weird electrical pain shooting down my legs, my leg, all that stuff. And, um, you know, played through all that. And then my leg went numb and practice had a couple three days of practice with that, you know, until I finally talked to a doc to a doctor was like, Hey man, that's not a, that's not a good thing. Or, you know, that's a brand new symptom. You know, your leg wasn't numb last week. It is this week. You know, you need to, we need to fix that. Or you got, could have some lifelong damage. Um, but I think as an athlete, you just learn to play through stuff. You learn to focus through different sorts of pain and, um, and tell yourself that everything's fine and it's not that big a deal. And, um, you know, it, it'll be fine. Um, and so I think that's kind of what I did. And, you know, I'm, I'm kicking myself because I, I keep I keep telling myself and I keep telling young guys on this team like, hey, press for more information when you're when it comes to injuries. And, you know, I wish when I was younger, I would have done things. So and, and I would ask so many more questions. I would have right. gotten so much more information. But here I am in year 12 and I didn't ask for more information. You know, we got an ultrasound. We saw a small tear in my tricep and they were like, yeah, it's not that big a deal. Like, um, uh, you know, we're going to modify your workouts, modify your snapping, you know, your workload at practice, all that sort of stuff. Like, you know, take some toward all before the game. It is what it is. Um, like, all right, cool. And I walked out of the room. Not a big deal. Well, man, if I would have pressed for an MRI, we would have found out back then that my tricep was torn. Mm-hmm. Then we could have known, you know, actually how it de- I would have actually at least known the severity of the injury. Sure. Um, and so, you know, all the stuff that I'm telling these young guys to do and preaching to them and doing all that, I didn't even do myself. So like, I'm <laughs> for that, you know, but you get into this mode where you're like, Hey, they said it's cool. All right, I'm good. You know, I'm going to walk away. Everything's fine. I can suck it up. It's not that big a deal. Like it doesn't hurt that bad. Okay. I'm just not going to do, I'm not going to bench as heavy as I usually do. I'm not going to do like overhead tricep work, you know, like, um, and my, my, my snapping workload isn't going to be as heavy throughout the week, like whatever. But then when you actually find out what's wrong, you go, man, that, really sucks <laughs> like yeah i mean because i mean i'll be honest it it affected me mentally in season because i wasn't able to fully extend like you go through when you've been doing this when you do something the same way for so sure. long you get into this muscle memory routine and everything everything just fires like all at the same time you don't have to think about it you can shut your brain off you can do it in your sleep and then something happens and you have an injury or whatever that, that starts to affect that muscle memory. So like I'm a, the way that I snap the football, I follow through way for like really far between my legs. I snap the ball really fast. That's like 
my MO. I'm, uh, you know, I, I throw the ball really, really fast. And to do that, I need both hands to follow through all the way between my legs and like fully finish my thumbs underneath. Okay. Like, um, but subconsciously towards the end of the season, I was, you know, I started watching tape and going, why is my right arm like pulling out way early? Mm. You know, and like I'm not finishing that hand. I'm going, no, no wonder I got a little tail there. Like my right arm's not fit. So then I, then I, you know, go into practice. All right, fo- you know, think about focusing on your right arm finishing and all that stuff. And, mm. and in games, like, all right, make sure your right arm finishes. Well, I don't want – you shouldn't have to go into a game thinking like that, right? Right. So, like, it definitely affected me more, but more than I thought it would. But had I actually known originally what was the problem, it probably – I could have been able to say, like, well, no – no, duh, you're right. you're not, not going to be able to follow through as far as I usually am. Like my freaking tricep tendon is torn. Like, <laughs> so I wouldn't have beat myself up so much throughout the season because of, you know, a wobble here, there, whatever. And so that that's the kind of stuff that I look back on and say, man, like, you know, had I had the amount of information that I want, that I should have had in the beginning, um, you know, I probably would have, would have not, treated myself so poorly <laughs> mentally throughout the season, you know, like, um, and it's one of those things that like the coaching staff never says anything, you know, like, you know, Hey, you know, we understand that you're, you know, you're going through some stuff, whatever, like a tail here, there's not a big deal. But like, to me, that's a big deal. You know, I, you know, as specialists, we are always our own worst critic. And it's just one of those things where like, I might, you know, I know I would have been less, Less, I would have beat myself up less had I known actually what was fully going on. But so, it, no, I say you also only get so many chances in a game. You want to be as precise as you can with each one of those chances. So if you're off a little bit on one, it could be twenty percent of your day. Right. Some, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that's kind of the way I look at it. And you know, it's it's funny. You know, forever I have you know I have this thing when I walk out on the field, I try and turn my brain completely off. And like I focus on, it's basically like I, I'm like meditating on the field. Um, I'm like focusing on my breathing in and out. Like I and I tune everything out except for like my PP. So Deshays or Everett's voice right. or Jeremy Reeves later in the year. Like I tune everything out except for their voices. And um, gotten really good at it. <laughs> like yeah. um, it's a really strange, strange thing that like to be good at, which is weird, especially, you know, when there are fans in the stands, like I'm telling you, when I walk on the field, I don't hear, it's like crickets except for DeShazer's voice. Um, and so like, you know, you go out on the field and, and I, I, it's basically like I, I black out um, aside from like, I know I blocked a guy and I know I ran downfield and filled the lane did whatever I get out on the field and, or get off to the sideline. Like, all right, trust everything good. Yeah. 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 And I'm like, okay. All right, well, you know, on to the next one. You know, I, I, hey, I feel like I had a little tail there. I don't remember. So he does the same thing as I do. <laughs> he was no help this year. Where you know, when I was kind of, kind of working through some things, and um, he, but he, you know, tresses the one of those punters that's like, hey, man, if you hit me in this general vicinity, I'm good, and you know, like I'll, I got nothing to worry about on that. And so he's super easy to work with. But when I'm working on stuff he has that same MO that I do. He blacks out, doesn't rem- you know, as soon as like, as soon as he sees me like flinch and that ball start to move, it's like his eyes close basically. And his, his body takes over mm. and, and he doesn't remember where he caught the ball, where, how he molded it. Nothing. It's just, um, so he was zero help on the sideline, but <laughs> it, it is what it is. You know, you, so you go watch the tape after like, all right, man, I felt like this one had a really bad wobble. Well, it wasn't, you, you, you frame by frame the tape and like, all right, how bad was it actually? Well, it's mm-hmm. on the hip, but it wasn't a perfect spiral. And all right, well, I feel better about that one. You know, like, so, you know, the t- it's in, in our, in our business, like we, there's a saying, like it's never as good as you felt and it's never as bad as you felt. Um, right. So I, I really started leaning heavily on that this year. Uh, <laughs> So I don't know. I kind of got off topic there, but no, that's, but you know, it's funny. Um, well, first of all, I want to ask a question about trust in a minute, but how painful was it? How, like, would it, if, if somebody hits you in a game, is it, is it painful? Is it the next day where you feel it? Cause you're, you're kind of medicated a little bit. When, when, how bad was the pain and when would you feel it most? 
it was only in so I'm gonna do it with this hand only in full extension. Okay. Um, and then any rotation like this way. Okay. Be, but so like pretty much every snap, but like I mean you get into this groove where you've done, you've done the same thing so long that like when your body, like your, like I said earlier, your body just kind of takes over. So the majority of the time it wasn't like super painful, but like my body would block me at some points where like I pull my right arm out fat earlier than I wanted to. That's sort okay. of thing. like my body would react in a way so that I wouldn't, I wouldn't cr- cause pain. Um, and then there were, you know, certain times where like you, you know, you, you know, if I'm blocking a guy on my right, you know, I step back and I put my put my try and put my arm on him, and like he's pu- he's pushing, I'm oh, pushing, yeah. all that, and you know, like though you know there was a few a, a handful of times throughout the year where that was not awesome, um, <laughs> and then same thing like running down the field, you you know you, you dive at a guy and he hits your arm and it, it flies this way or whatever, and or trying to lock a guy out, you know, to who he's trying to block you, you're trying to stay in a lane, whatever that sort of stuff, but. I mean, it was manageable, but I prefer not to ever have – you know, that's why I had the surgery. I prefer not just to never have to deal with it again. You've gone through some things. You take, How much pride do you take? Because you've got to be one of the toughest long snappers in this league. I mean, I think anybody that plays this game for any any sort of period of time, it, it has a, a pain tolerance that is is higher than, than most. Um, every single player is dealing with something. Nobody walks out on the field on Sunday feeling 100%. You know, like everybody's got something nagging or, you know, something, a chronic whatever. Um, So, you know, I do take pride in the fact that I've played through a lot, a lot of really weird injuries. Um, You know, the broken arm, I had a torn meniscus I played through, then the elbow, the back. Um, You know, it's not like I'm dealing with a nagging hammy every week, something like some soft tissue thing. Um, they're just kind of strange injuries, you know. Um, I understand that this team has kept me around for as long as they have because, you know, I think they see in me what I what I what I try and put out there. Like, you're gonna have to drag me off this field to get me to not go back out there, you know. And so that's that's kind of one of those things that that I I, I definitely take pride in. But you know, I think it would be I would be, you know, toot my own horn a little too hard to say that. The, the vast majority of guys that play on Sunday are all dealing with something, you know, in, in, in their own way. Yeah. And that, that's no doubt. Um, with Tress, he seems like the happiest person in the league. And he's probably like the happiest. I mean, I still remember his first game as a punter. He had a great game, but you guys lost. And we go to talk to Tress. He's like, man, this was great. Cause it was his first time punting. And it was just like, he was so upbeat. And he's so like is his tress, but like, does that guy like ever? What gets him upset? Uh, he just always seems so happy. Yeah, he tress has a very tress has has a wonderful personality. He's the, he's the type of guy that, regardless of the situation, he can find something positive in it. And he's one of those guys that just always wants to put a smile on your face, whether he can, and, and he's got this weird uncanny ability to notice, like even if you, without any words spoken, anything like that, he know he can tell if something's bothering you, if you got something going on. And like, he, he goes out of his way to try and, to try and crack a joke or, or get you to smile, that sort of thing. And that's just the type of dude that he is. And uh, he, he's, I'm trying to think the last time I saw him mad. <laughs> um, I mean, it's been years year i mean i'm and i think it was something stupid too like we went down to the to the cafeteria for lunch and they were out of the the dark chocolate covered almonds and like he was like upset like man i was really looking forward to those today you know like like that's that's one of the only things i can think of like i i mean i've seen around it like tons of times around his kids you know you know out nothing nothing gets to that dude he's he's definitely got an uncanny ability to just be super happy all the time. And I think that's something that's one of the things that I admire most about him is his oh, yeah. his ability to just love life at every moment and and just be super upbeat all the time. He he's he is absolutely one of a kind. Hey, this is Joel Corey from Inside the Cap. 
I know you're enjoying the John Kahn Report, which gives you insider access to the Washington football team, everything you want you want to know which is going on with the Washington football team. Once you're done with that, check out my podcast, Inside the Cap, which gives you the ins and outs of the NFL salary cap and player contract negotiations. Check out these two products and other fine podcasts from Empire Media. Um, another guy that I want to ask you about, Alex Smith, who, as we tape this, he was officially released today. This will air in a couple of days, but, you know, you were here for the whole period with Alex Smith. What, what did he mean to that locker room? I don't know if you could quantify it, um, but personally, what I'll say is, so Alex got hurt, you know, week 10, right? We were six and three, played mm-hmm. week 10. Um, I ended up going on IR that year and having surgery week 15. Mm-hmm. Um, so that spring, you know, once everybody's seen the documentary, once everything happened and he finally got back in the building, um, him and I were rehabbing together and I didn't know it at the time. Like we talked a bunch, like he would show me his leg and I would, you know, he'd, you know, take the, take the covering off of it. And we'd talk about all, all the scars and where all the muscles came from and stuff. And, I was just in absolute awe of the fact that he was standing in front of me and, and all that. And, um, you know, it, it was, I remember the first time that he was photographed throwing a football, I was the one catching for him. Out oh, of the, yeah. You know, they cut me right out of the photo, but <laughs> I'm sure they got Alex, you know, um, but, <laughs> which is super funny, but, um, after watching the documentary and thinking back to those times of, you know, going in four days a week and rehabbing and doing all that stuff and just how positive and motivated he was. I was just, I was in awe at the time because he was wearing that big old metal thing on his leg. Right. Like fixator thing. Um, you know, I was in awe at the time, but then after watching the documentary and then bitching at him that he didn't tell me all that stuff, you know, <laughs> um, I had to, comp- I, you know, I had to, I, I had to complain a little bit because I was like, man, we spent months together. Rehabbing. You could have at least, you know, told me a little bit more than you told everybody else, you know, but um, and our lockers are right next to each other. You know, I'm like, man, but, you know, he was he's one of those guys that when you look at him showing up every day, it just motivates you to push that much harder, um, knowing everything that he went through. It, like that it's going to sound really stupid, but like that was why I couldn't complain about my elbow. That's why I would never complain. You know, like I'm not like I had, I had a few other injuries throughout the year. Like I had a tweaked hamstring, like, but it only, you know, a couple weeks, not a big deal. Like a a little bit of calf thing, a hand thing, whatever, just typical NFL stuff. Like I'm not going to complain to anybody when that dude is in our locker room right now and is, you know, walking around and practicing and playing and then eventually playing and playing at a high level and all that stuff. Like it, it puts everything into perspective and you go, man, like my issues are this big comparatively. And so like when you have somebody like that in the locker room, it just, it puts everybody, it brings everybody down like to the same level. And you go, look, right. like if he can do that, we can do anything together. You know, like that dude is so, strong mentally physically everything like let's all do let's all emulate him and try and be the our best selves and learn from everything that he went through and like and just his mental toughness and fortitude and all that and like for the rest of my life I'm gonna try to be like Alex Smith Mm. in everything that I do and like that's what he instilled in me like I texted him today and just said man like you're one of the best teammates I ever had I understand this is business and all that stuff but like I'm going to miss you. I'm going to miss you as a teammate, as a friend, all that. Like, I'm going to root for you for the rest of my life. It sounds super sappy and all that, but, like, man, he's just somebody that's super easy to root for, root for, especially being so close to him throughout, you know, a lot of that process. Um, and it's, I don't know, it's tough. Like, it's, it, it's, it's tough. You know, as a reporter, I would felt fortunate to have a front row seat to this, to be able to, to write about his comeback because it's a unique, such a unique story and such an awesome story for him to do what he, to come back from what he did. And I think, you know, it's funny because this is where, and this, I don't blame fans for this because they only see what's on the field. They right. see the stats. 
But I, you try to explain to him the impact that he had in the huddle in the locker room was tremendous. Because I remember even after you guys, after in 2018, the end of the year, we're talking to you guys in the end of the locker room, end of the year. Well, what, what happened? What went wrong? Well, you lost Alex. That's what, I mean, everybody would say the same thing. And that wasn't you know, like Colt came in and got hurt, but it was all about you lost Alex. You know, and just the leadership that he would give to the young receivers even. It just, I just think it's hard to sometimes quantify that, but you guys feel it. Yeah, and I think, you know, just thinking back to 2018 in the run, you know, the the stretch that we had when he was before he got hurt. I remember standing on the sideline with Tress and something happened there was like a long third down, like third and 20 something. And I'm like, "Oh man, and we're backed up, you know, um like on the 5 or something like that." I'm like, "Man, this sucks. We're going to have to punt from from our own 5-yard line." And Tress Tress is like, "Just wait." And, you know, and sure enough, like Alex drops back, makes something happen, boom. And now it's fourth and three. You're like, hell yeah, I'll punt from fourth and three from our own, you know, 28 or whatever it was, or 20, 20, 29 or whatever, or 27. Um, and I'm like, this dude is never out of it. He, he'll like everything he does, he puts you in a, in a better situation. I remember, I remember we were, it was late in the game. We were, you know, maybe it was the third quarter down by a couple scores or something. I just looked at Tress and I was like, man, I don't feel like we're going to lose. Hmm. He's like, I don't either. And he's, and I'm like, why don't you think we're going to lose? And he pointed at Alex and I was like, me too. <laughs> you know, like It's that dude right there. Like something about him. He's just got this aura where you're like, we are, we will be in every single game we play as long as he's our quarterback. And, yeah. and I don't think that can be disputed. Um, listen, the record is what it is. I mean, with him, it was 11 and five with anybody else. It was six and 27. It's a hard, there's a, there's a, you know, and I know like, I'm not a big quarterback one loss guy, but like, there are things that he does that you could see. And sometimes it's just checking out of a play. Sometimes it's checking down at the right time. So the guy gets more yards. Sometimes it's whatever, keep avoiding the turnovers, right? You know, it's all that stuff that a guy does that adds up. Well, and I think there's a, now, just from a specialist's perspective, there is a giant difference between fourth and one to four and fourth and 11 to 15, yeah. right? Like, and fourth and one to four from our 40 or fourth and one or and, and, and 10 from our 12. There's so much more pressure put on a punt team because you know, like, shoot, it's fourth and long. They know we're not going to fake it from way backed up. They're rushing. Um, but from midfield, I mean, you got, and especially, you know, down distance wise, most teams around, you know, 40 to 40, if it's fourth and less than five, put, put their, their safe punt team out there. Um, so Tress can take his time back there and unleash like a, a ball that hangs five Oh and lands on the five, um, which just gives our, you know, our, our coverage team so much more time to get down there all that stuff and and pin them deep then putting our defense in such a better position all all those little things that add up to really big things a lot of people don't understand um and i mean kirk what was the year was it kirk's second to last year he had he had a very similar year to that where like we punted i think we only punted like 49 times or something, something like that. 52, some really low number. Um, and I think like 40 of them were from midfield. Mm. Um, I, I do remember. Yeah. Stuff like that matters, man. Like field position is everything in our game. And um, so that was 2016 trust punted 49 times. There you go. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, that stuff matters. And I think, I think that's that gets lost a lot because so many people, like you just said, like so many people get hung up on like, well, what's his win-loss record and all that right. stuff. Well, I want to know like how many times did we punt? What was our field position? All that's a turnout, you know, those are the things that matter to me when it comes to to quarterback play. Um, because like so many times I remember, especially that uh, during that that night that nine and a half game stretch with Alex in 18, um we'd be driving towards midfield and third down comes around. It's third and six or whatever. And or third and four and Alex rolls out and just throws it away, you know, and you're like, 
all right, I guess. But then we're punting from midfield. Right. They get the ball to eight, and now they're they got to drive all and like, and then all of a sudden, you know, defense makes a good play or whatever. They go three and out or you know short you know short drive, and now we've got the ball again at the forty. It's like the dude understands the game right. and knows that you're not going to win a game of one one play or any of that stuff. Like this is it. The games are very long, and the majority of NFL games come down to one possession. Like right. if you do the math. Um, it's going to come down to one possession anyways. So let's, let's see how I'm going to, you know, he's going to toss the ball away instead of, instead of trying to fit it into a weird window and, and, and turn the ball over. But that's just, that's just something that, you know, I think he was, he had a knack for and was, you know, as a specialist, a specialist I loved about him because, you know, we punted from midfield so many times and all that. And, um, you know, he's just, he's just such a fun teammate all around. Um, yeah. just, just such a good person, such a good, you know, I got a ton of stories about him, but I know we got to get to some other stuff. <laughs> that, and I would, I'd love to hear those, but he was, they were, like I said, I enjoyed covering him, especially this year because, um, just because of what it meant. And it was like, you know, just to get a chance to talk to him on a weekly basis and all that was, was just, it was fun. It was fun because, and he, you know, and I'll be honest, like after the last few years, I think for a lot of fans, he helped make the, you guys likable again beyond just the fan base. I mean, it was just different this year with that. Absolutely. I think he 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 created such a broader audience than I think uh, we would have had otherwise just because of his story and the, um, you know, the documentary and all that. Yeah. It, it opened so many more people's eyes to what he went through. And so, so many people wanted to, to watch the story unfold live. Um, and I mean, like, shoot, I cried watching him go out there too. Like I, I'm, I'm human. I'm human. And like so during the game, you had tears in your eyes. Yeah, hell yeah. We're friends and like, yeah. and all that, but man, I was teary eyed too. Standing on the side yeah. of that and watching him run out there against the Rams. Like I'm going, Oh man, you know, and then the week leading up to him actually getting his first start. I was, I was nervous too. Even watching him practice and all that. Like, you know, we, especially we spend so much time on another field working on our own stuff that like, I don't, we don't watch O and D right. and all that, you know, we come over do our special teams period, then go do our other stuff and start working on something else and do another special teams period and go back and do other stuff and then do another special teams period and go back and do other stuff. And then practice is over. So like we spend the majority of the time on our own, we aren't watching, um, you know, all of all of his throws or all the defensive, you know, drills or all any of that stuff or uh, uh, reps or whatever. And so, like, the first time we, I really saw him live was in-game, um, which is crazy. Because you know, we practice together every day. It sounds dumb to say that. But yeah. um, so, you know, I was nervous, too, um, just like everybody else, which is – I know it sounds sounds super, super sappy, but, um, I mean, it is what it is. I was, I was definitely teary-eyed and nervous and all that. And, you know, I cried my eyes out watching that documentary. My wife got – <laughs> I got up like it was like six minutes in, and she's like, "Where are you going?" And I was like, "I just got to grab a box of tissues." <laughs> <laughs> and it was, you know, uh, uh, it was tough, man. Tough to watch all that. Yeah, it was. Two more quick things: um, free agency. You free agency's coming up. You're in the last year of your deal. What what's going on there? Anything or what what do you think? And you know, have you heard have you heard much from them? And what, what's the deal? Uh so this is the first I've ever gotten in free agency. I've been a free agent twice, but you know, one, the first time I got signed in February, the second time I got signed at the end of January. Um so I've never made it to March. This is the first time for that. Um, but with all the new hires in the front office, um, you know, my agent's been talking to everybody and it's just hey, you know, we we took a step back as soon as everybody got hired and we're going through the entire evaluation process all over again and all that, you know, getting everybody's getting everybody on the same page. Um, you know, they're, they're still talking, we're working on something. Um, I want to play here forever until, you know, I want to retire here. Um, so, uh, you know, um, you know, coach Rivera, uh, Mr. Uh, Rob, Rob Rogers, if you're watching Mr. Herney, <laughs> if you, if you have to pick this up, you know, I want to, I want to retire uh, in Washington. So, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not looking forward to, you know, I'm, I'm fully expecting to get a deal done within these next couple of weeks. You know, I'm not sure the term length or anything like that, but right. fully expecting to get something done. I don't want to go, go to free agency. Like, you know, I don't want to have to sell our house here and move and do all that stuff. Like 
I've I've created such such an awesome relationship with this team in front of yeah. and uh and the charitable relations foundation and the community um you know i don't want to leave and leave loads of love and and all that stuff right um you know i want to continue working on everything we've built here so that's where i'm at that's where i stand um 100 fully in uh i know i got a, a little bit you know a ways to go with this recovery and all that stuff so and and it's a business and all that and i'm coming off of a an elbow injury and I use my elbows to snap the football. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens, but you know, I, I fully anticipate, you know, playing here next year. Well, I can, when we're done, I'll text those guys over there and say, just get it done. You know, put the guy to, you know, just get it done. Um, last, last thing. And as you're the NFL PA rep too, what's going on with the spring? Do you think you guys will actually be on the field in spring or are you looking at more of the zoom meetings and no field until the summer? <laughs> is that what's being decided now or talk I'm not, yeah I'm, I'm actually on the covid committee for the pa um so i don't know how much i'm allowed to say because we're going into meetings on monday like our, okay. our annual rep meetings on monday where we'll discuss with the rest of the uh with the rest of the reps and the the you know whoever decides to come into these zoom calls that we're about to have because uh, we're doing it all virtually this year um what I would say is realistically, you know, if you look at the numbers across the across the nation, you know, how many new cases a day and all that stuff, right. um, and you compare it to April, May, June of last year, you know, I would say that we would probably lean towards going virtual again. Okay. Um, you know, I think there might be, who knows, there might be some wiggle room there for maybe rookies coming in and doing a few weeks of something uh, just to get acclimated. Um, uh, but I don't, especially because you got to think about what it would take to have a nine week OTA program. Right. We're talking about flying guys in from all over the country. Then you got to do a six day boarding to COVID testing, you know, protocol, whatever. And then you got to test seven days a week. So guys can't leave during a voluntary program, program, right? right? That's right. Um, you can't. And now we're living during a pandemic right now. So like guys shouldn't, you know, but right. Needs your own. Um, but like if a guy wanted to drive down to Virginia beach and drive back up, you know, for the weekend, he couldn't do that right. without re-entering the six day testing protocol and the quarantine and all that stuff. So like, it's not necessary. It, if we do, imp, if we do go back to last year, two years ago's, you know, the normal offseason program, it's not a normal program. It's not voluntary. You're stuck here for nine straight weeks. You can't leave. You can't, you know, you can't hang out with other guys outside of outside of work. And like, you're not at. We don't. We aren't at work for that long. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, generally, you know, the first like four. The first four, first three weeks, we're out of the building, like in like three hours, and then it's like four hours and maybe five hours, something like that. So, like, you're talking like long, long days of guys being in hotel rooms, uh, right. in isolation, and, and then you know, you got to bring up like mental health of guys being in isolation, stuck, can't go anywhere, or you know, can't go get, you can't even go sit at a restaurant because, well, crap, what if I get it? Then I'm stuck in the, you know. All that stuff. So, you know, I would assume we would just go straight virtual for this offseason as well. Um, I just think for player health and safety and mental health, uh, all that stuff, I think that's 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 where we'd, we, we, we would have to go. Um, but who knows? I, we, we still have to negotiate all that stuff with the NFL. Um, everything we negotiated last year was on a one-year deal or a one-year term. So we have to renegotiate all of that. Um, so we'll see where they stand. I think – um once we have these we've got a week of meetings coming up next week uh once we can we can kind of see where the majority of our guys stand on that then when you know our leadership will take that to the nfl and see where they stand um and it's tough because coaches coaches want us in the building all that but you know at the end of the day we are in a pandemic so like are these you know, a few weeks of OTAs really worth it. You know, if you've got a, say, you know, cause especially cause there are 90 guys on every roster right now. So you're talking about having 
having to create multiple locker rooms in every facility. Like we had three locker rooms towards, you know, about halfway through last year, we have three different locker rooms. Um, and then at one point we had four. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not just about the players. It's everybody else in the building who is also now on lockdown for nine weeks. We're talking about equipment guys, video guys, you know, uh, janitorial staff, kitchen staff, strength staff, trainers, front office, every any any tier one or tier two employee in the buildings in the building is now cannot be around anybody at the risk of walking in the building with COVID, you know, like, so it, it's super tough dealing with all this stuff. But like, at the end of the day, we're gonna have to make some hard decisions here coming soon. And um, I would just assume that because of the numbers across across the country, we would we would fall back to everything we did last year and say, look, we went virtual last year. Everything turned out all right. Like we didn't play any preseason games. We still got through seven a seventeen or a sixteen game seventeen week season, full playoff schedule, all that stuff. Like, you know, we can do it. You know, I think I don't know. I don't think anybody out there would complain about the product we put on the field. Um, so, you know, we've got a blueprint to do that again. If we have to do it for one more season, we do it for one more season. And you got that 17th game possibly this year too. Right. We'll see what they – We'll see what happens there. If I mean – Yeah, yeah. We'll, yeah. <laughs> we'll see what happens there. There you go. When we get there. There you go. There you go. Nick, I greatly appreciate your time. This was awesome. Always enjoy talking to you. And I hope that the elbow and the, the arm, the tricep, does not prevent you from doing a lot of grilling coming up. It shouldn't. It's just too cold right now. Um, but I'm, I'm getting pretty good with my left hand. Um, you know what I didn't anticipate coming into this was how difficult it was to get a fork or a spoon to your mouth with your left hand. Oh, really? It is unbelievably difficult. Yeah, because I can't reach. Like, Yeah, you can't. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> I'm bent at 90 now and I just got yeah. to 90 on Wednesday. Like I was stuck at 60. So I was even, I was much straighter before. So like the, near <laughs> my mouth with my right arm, it is super difficult. It's like, fine, like you just, and like yeah. stuff off the fork and like, it's a nightmare. Trying to <laughs> with left hand. And I'm, I'm pretty ambidextrous. I do a lot of stuff with my left hand and, but nope, can't eat with it. It's unbelievable. That's funny. Well, maybe you get, maybe you lose some weight this off season too. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's the thing. Like you can say, well, oh boy, Nick, you look in great shape. What was your secret? I couldn't eat with my left hand. Yeah, there you, you go. Get a piece kept falling over here, and the beef is over the there. Dropping food on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have a dog, right? Yeah, he's fifty pounds now. He was thirty when I got surgery. No. <laughs> <laughs> there, you go. there you go. Fantastic, Nick. You're awesome. Thanks a lot, man. All right, John, I appreciate you. Great talking to you. All right, take care, man. You too. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Nick for joining me, and thank you, as always, for listening. I'll be back with another episode Thursday, unless big news warrants an emergency podcast. Talk to you next time.